You're listening to a 58 Ember production. Hey, I'm Erica Muller, host of Here For It. Self-discovery is an endless journey, and each week I'm bringing on experts, industry leaders, and friends where we'll be talking all things life, fashion and beauty, personal development, and probably some pop culture along the way as well. Here For It is your weekly space to get grounded, regroup, and be inspired to live your best life. Because really, we're all figuring it out as we go. And I'm here for you. New episodes drop every Tuesday. Hi guys, welcome back to Here For It and Happy New Year. I hope everybody has had a really rejuvenating and refreshing past couple of weeks. I feel like the holidays can be hectic, but I always like to use this time of year to just really be able to relax and decompress and be more present, um, regroup with nature a little bit and just live in the moment a little bit more. I find it really important for me at least to kind of decompress my brain at the end of the year and just sort of let go of anything that's been stressing me or that was overwhelming or that didn't go exactly how I wanted this past year and just get back to the present moment. The present is truly a gift, which is as cliche as it is, once you can kind of on cue get yourself back to the present moment anytime you can, um, I feel like that's when things always shift for me in a really positive way. And I feel like this time of year is such a good reminder for that. Also with the new year, I was thinking about the idea of how much effort and energy we put into like the excitement of a new year and there's parties and this and that and resolutions and goals and it's kind of this time of year where everybody thinks like everything's gonna shift for them and I've never super resonated with that um, but I was thinking about the concept a lot more this year and I was like you know what's really interesting is if we went into every single day with that sort of mindset. Like you don't have to wait for a new year, a new week, a new month to have this feeling of excitement and inspiration and that like tomorrow could be the best day ever. Like you don't have to think that next year is going to be the best year ever. And I think I want to bring more of that energy into 2024. But in the spirit of a new year and a lot of us leaning into new goals and resolutions and things like that, um, Back in December, I had asked for career questions, and so I know a lot of people revamp the way they think and do career and job things in the new year, and so I wanted to start the new year with answering your questions. So I brought Sunny Marquat back on the podcast, and if you haven't listened to her previous episode, I'll link it down below. She is amazing and so smart and just really, really insightful, but she's also a career coach and she's worked with A-list celebs, Fortune 500 companies, like she knows what she's talking about. And so I asked her your questions. And so I'm excited for you guys to hear her responses. I thought she brought just such a great perspective and things that I truly never would have considered. And so I'm really happy to have had her back on the podcast and I hope you enjoy this episode. With that, let's get into the questions. How do you know when you're ready to move on from your current job? If nothing bad is happening, I'm just hopeful there are better opportunities. So first of all, questions from the audience are so difficult because context Mm-hmm. is so important. So my first question is, I might say to someone, like, why are you asking that question? I'm always going to say, like, mm-hmm. what's making you ask that question for sure? 
So I do say to people, there's always going to be a personality type that's always wondering if the grass is greener on the other side. There's mm. this feeling, there's this, this feeling of wondering. And I think it's, I think my, my thought on that one is to just be cautious that you're not in that camp that you're always wondering is better over there is better over there because you know how it is if we it's like some people who move if they move to another state because they're running from their problem the way we say the problems comes with you right now there are toxic cultures toxic places there are reasons to leave but there's nothing in this question that's saying to me that there is something toxic there's nothing bad they're just mm -hmm. like eh. right so first of all it is absolutely your choice first of all you're the human being who gets to make the choice I would just say it's important to not be a job hopper because too much hopping is hard to explain to employers, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's really my own caution. Other than that, I'd be like, if you, I am such an advocate of networking while you're employed to talk to other places because you just, first of all, you're a number often, you know, we're, you know, you never know in this economy when something's going to happen. So you should always be looking, however, be looking and, but also just, you also could be looking internally. Sometimes there's amazing opportunities. So I would say, really think it through. That's what I would say. What is the reason are we just, are we so bored? We're just like, there is nothing left here. If you are that bored, it's like, that is a great reason to leave. But if you have just gotten there for six months and you're already bored, that's a tough one to explain uh, to, to another employer. So I always like to say, tell people if they can try to push through for two years, this again, removing toxicity out of the story, yeah. um, that is the better place to land. Does that make sense? Totally. For me, it sounds kind of almost like a mindset shift of like, why are you really like yeah. what is so bad about what's happening? And if there's nothing really bad happening, can you lean into more of the day-to-day? -day? Yeah. Or can you make some shifts internally mm -hmm. to, to to deal with that little itch and mm -hmm. just kind of keep networking and making a plan for the bigger picture when you are ready? That's what I would say to do with that. Totally. I think that's a great answer. Okay. Next one. This is a good question. How can I implement boundaries with my boss after I feel like I made myself too accessible? Oh my gosh. Oh, what a tough one. First of all, you could have a whole episode just on boundaries, right? Yeah. <laughs> because, oh yeah. People pleasing. <laughs> oh, boundaries is painful, painful. So, mm -hmm. okay. So let's imagine it. The scenario is you've been saying, yes, 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 yes. We've come in, we've people pleased and we've said, yes, yes, yes. Here is my advice. First of all, it is hard. I'm just going to call out the difficultness, especially if you are a person who struggles saying no in life. Like if that is one of your, so whatever, if I say anything, you're going to be like, yes, Sunday, easier said than done. But here's one thing I know for sure. In the moment, trying to change that is harder than proactive. So mm -hmm. if you're like, okay, I'm going to change my boundaries. And your boss comes to you and says, hey, can you work late today or can you take on this project? Ah, you have this internal reaction where you're like, oh, that is not the moment to try to change things. Mm -hmm. The moment to change things is to do a little bit of homework ahead of time. Like think to yourself, I'm going to organize myself. I'm going to look at my priorities. I'm going to look at my workload and I'm going to look at my work hours and I'm going to proactively have a conversation with my boss about some things. And I might say something like, I'd love to have a conversation. I've been here for about six months now. And after six months, I've been gathering and here's what 
I'm experiencing and like to have a conversation with you about. You get it? Now you're proactively having it. So now you're not, emotions aren't dealing with in the moment, which people pleasers really, oh, in the moment they're, they really struggle with this. So yeah. he might say, oh, sure. Well, what examples? I'd really love to have a little bit more of work-life balance. Just be clear about the ask before you go in. Because if you aren't clear about the ask, then you're going to waffle all over the place. So come in prepared for what you're asking for. What are you trying to say? So also, by the way, Google is amazing. There, Did you know that there's like, there are like, there's this one site that gives you 50 ways to say no. There's like all these phrases. So 50 is, by the way, overwhelming. The point is, yeah. look at them and find three that feel like your personality. Yeah. And find some go-to phrases. That's what I find that people who struggle with no need is what's your go-to phrase that just makes you pause before jumping in and saying, yes, that's what it is, is their emotions want to say yes. So first of all, just pause and remember the conversation you had and say something like, this is one of my favorite ones at work is, all right, let me look at my workload and see if that's a possibility or see what I might have to move today to make that happen. So see, it's like you're starting to show and remember that you've had this conversation. Now, by the way, we all know the emergencies. There are some things that happen that we're like, we know that the boss is asking and we're like, we got to do it now. But you know, if this is a habit, a habitual thing, it's going to take time for him to learn it because you've been a yes person mm -hmm. and it's going to take some time for you to learn to continue to, to keep those messages out. Any thoughts on that? I think I just have a follow-up question. So, because I've been in a situation like this, I was a chronic sure. people pleaser. And so I feel like I can relate to this. Um, and it's definitely, if you've overshared boundaries or like not had them, people are confused at first and they push uh, back and, and why? what happened <laughs> exactly. Um, but so let's say you have the conversation and the boss is still like, well, no, I need you to do this. And it's like not being accepted, then what? Right. right. Okay. So that means you have to like, this, this is again, where I said it's easier said than done in your yeah. next one-on-one, -on -one, you need to say, I'd love to revisit that conversation we had about, mm. <laughs> oh, see what I mean? It's, 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 it's bold. Now, if it continues to not change two things, find a mentor in the company to help you mm. say, is this, can you help me? Is, does this boss, like, does, is this you, do you struggle with it too? Find someone else who works with a boss and you notice that they're not struggling with boundaries. How did you make it work? Like, is this, because this is just a me thing. You're noticing. Now, if you also notice though, that this, this is someone, no, he doesn't respect anyone's boundaries. That now is a choice that you have to make about where, where and who you work for. You get what I'm saying? Sure. Because if this is a person that doesn't respect it, it's most likely not going to change. So see that it's a difference between him working with you versus him working with everyone. And then my last thought is at a lot of companies, sometimes you have something called the skip level, which is the person one level above him and some or her. And sometimes I'll recommend that if nothing is changing to schedule a skip and to just say, here's where I'm struggling. It's another scary step, but it is, it is a legit appointment to be made. Mm -hmm. I've asked for this. I'm looking for some advice. Now you're not asking this person to go stitch on you. You're not asking this skip level to say, could you talk to them for me? You're asking for some advice around this. Now there's a chance they might say, I'd love to have this conversation for you or with you. Are you mm -hmm. comfortable with that? You got it? 
Totally. Those are the measures I would take. Yeah. How's that feel? It feels good. It feels like it's also a reminder to the person. You just have to be consistent with it and know that it's not going to change overnight. It is not. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you start, if you started the relationship that way. Yeah. 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 Okay. Next question. I feel like I'm a generalist. I struggle explaining the value in that. Any ideas? Oh my goodness. So this is interesting because I actually even talked to Steve. Steve does a really great job. Steve's someone I work with at Greenhouse and he talks a lot about the generalist. I came across the generalist a lot when I was at Capital One uh, as a coach, because if you if you don't have something specific to say about yourself, what is there to remember, right? Mm-hmm. So however, first of all, I'm just going to say, this is not easy to figure out. I'm just going to stop right there. And I will also say number two, the reality is more and more companies are having generalists in their company. But the reality is that within that, we all have some sort of a spin that we do really well. And you've got to figure out how to identify it. So you just, you have to, so how do you do it? You you start noticing, it's an intentionality. You have to start noticing what it is that people come to you for. What do they consistently come to you for? Or what do, can I start asking? I tell people, remember when you and I talked even about brand? It's like, ask people, what do you notice that you come to me for? And so even if you do lots of things well, you still have to figure out how to pull certain things out about yourself that are unique within being a bit of a generalist because you have to know how to speak for it because you can't just say, oh, I do a whole bunch of things because no one knows what to do with that. No one knows what to do with that. So you mm-hmm. have to figure out how to pull the value out yourself, but it just takes a little bit of raising the intentionality. Everyone has uniqueness about them. So the totally. fact that you're a generalist, there's still something unique about you. Do you agree? I mean, everyone, there's no, no one does anything the same. I agree. I feel like, um, and even if you do, if you are good at a lot of different things, I think it can be situational too. And like what in this situation out of like my bag of tricks, would I be pulling out that I know I'm good of good at? Um, and you can like highlight those over here and then like another situation over here. Yeah. I've heard, I've actually heard Steve, who's a business owner say, sometimes think about it like a business owner would when they're starting a business, they start thinking, what, what problem do I want to solve? That's why people. And so think about it. What problems do I tend to solve? That sometimes helps, Ugh. but there's an angle. I promise there's an angle. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Okay. Good question though. Hard question. Not an easy one. Yeah. Okay. I'm currently looking for a job. Every time I go to apply, I get incredibly overwhelmed. There are so many options, businesses, and places. How can I make this a more enjoyable experience? (laughs) Enjoyable is a hard word. (laughs) (laughs) I, I almost meet no one who feels like the job search is enjoyable, right? Yeah. Hard. So my first, remember we were talking about context in the beginning, is depending on the level of urgency, this is mm-hmm. a tough one mm-hmm. because there are some people who feel incredibly urgent and that's usually where the most overwhelm comes from is this, I am, I am desperate. So my first organizational thought is try not to put yourself in a situation where it's at the urgency place. In other words, try to be as proactive as you possibly can. That being 
that aside. Here is what I recommend. I recommend that what you do is that you treat your job search a little bit like you might organize your own life or regular job. I think that the problem is, is that people who are looking for jobs are thinking about it day and night, day and night, day and night, and it's stressing them out. So give yourself on and off switches so that you are just like the rest of us, nine to five, whatever it is. You're taking time to look and time to not look. So what I might recommend is Fridays, do a planning session with yourself. Plan your next week. Think, what are my blocks going to be? When am I going to spend time searching? When am I not going to spend time searching? If you work a job, then you're going to have to figure out what are the extra times. I'm going to think about what also are my two goals for the week. Pick the goals. Is it going to be, am I going to pick two people to network? Am I going to think about my brand statement? Am I going to finish up my resume? Decide your goal a week ahead because what happens is in our head, we think, I have so much to do. But the truth is, there is so much to do, but you can organize it in chunks and feel less overwhelmed if you just break it down. That's mm -hmm. what you got to do. You got to break it down. And then you got to call it. Then you got to call it and you got to laugh and you got to go out with your friends and you need to have a weekend yeah, where you're not thinking about it. And I think that helps with the overwhelm. Yeah, I think that's great advice. All right, next one. How does the current economy shift thinking about career changes? Oh, it, and of course, that question, whoever listens to it, will depend on where the economy is <laughs> like <laughs> right now, because it's been changing. It's been changing so much. But right now, you know, like December of 2023, it is showing signs of slowing, right? It's showing signs of slowing down, but it's solid, but slowing. It's solid, but slowing. It's not like crashing or anything like that. And here's what I'm noticing. It's just like, remember the time when it felt like you could quit your job and just find another one? There was a season where it was like, people were like, I hate my job. I can quit it. And I felt like, oh, it's okay. There's another one right around the corner. Mm -hmm. I don't think we're we're right there right now. I think that we're the risk is is we're not in that. It's, it's a little more risky to do that right now. That's mm -hmm. what I would say. I would say that the only thing that I would think about right now is think about it and be strategic. Don't be as emotionally impulsive right now because there aren't as many available and companies are thinking about budgets. Interesting enough, I'm still hearing so many companies talk about recession, but they were talking about it last year too. And and it's it's like they still don't believe in they're still not feeling solid. You know, there's this mm -hmm. still insecurity. So as as much as they did hiring last year, there's still a shaking a lack of security feeling. So there's not as many jobs available as there used to be. That's what I would say. So my yeah. feeling is be strategic and not impulsive. What about from like the entrepreneur lens? I think that's such a hard question to answer personally yeah. because it depends on what they do. I think they just need to take a hard look at their product relative to where the economy is mm -hmm. and think, okay, so I remember like even, okay, so even my own industry, right? It's a squishy, it's a squishy industry. It's a feel good thing. So if things get rock bottom hard, the squishy, yeah, they don't pay for it, you know? Yeah. So if I need to keep my eye on what might I pull up as a result of that coming down, that's all I would do is I would just think about the need of what I sell 
relative to uh, what people are focusing on in the world. Because if they're focusing on war, they're not focusing on healthy culture. Does that make sense? And so that's all I do is I just take a look at the reality of what people want to focus on. Think about your product. During during the pandemic, at Greenhouse, we lost like, we lost like 60% of our clients like overnight because everybody was scared. Yeah. So they were like, what? Everybody canceled everything. Everything that was on the books, they canceled, which happened to so many companies, right? So we had to get creative real fast. Yeah. So what we did was, because we were, were a lot more proactive leadership, culture, things like that. And what we did was we created a whole job search arm because everybody lost their jobs. And so we focused mostly on career shift, wanting to find purpose again and job search because that's where everybody's brain was. So we made a shift Mm -hmm. and we sold that instead. Yeah. I love that answer. I feel like it's just a good reminder that you have to, like, no matter what industry you're in or how the world is, like you have to always be on your toes because you just never know what's going to happen and you have to be ready to pivot. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Okay. Um, next one, this is more of a statement than a question, but they said, sometimes I get anxious thinking I'll be stuck in one job forever. I know it. I just a statement. I I just want to give that person a hug. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's just a fear. Yeah. My, my only thought that comes to my mind there is the person that's saying that is feeling like someone else is in control Mm. when really you are. That's all. That's what I was feeling. I was like, somehow that person is feeling like, like the job is in control instead of you are. You are always, always in control of your life more than you realize. People have so many job shifts in their life. And when you feel them, you can be strategic and make the change. If you hate something, the thing is to be strategic. That's the thing. I think that sometimes people feel very emotional and just blah. And that's when they get, oh, because then there's no money or there's no, but if you feel them, think about it, slow down, change. This life is short. If you are hating where you are at, you have the power to change it. So that's a statement that is untrue. You don't have to be stuck anywhere for the rest of your life. You have the power to change it. You just have to figure out how to do it. So talk to people, get some wisdom and figure out what you want to change and how to do it. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Next question. Is it bad that I applied to multiple places? I didn't really want to work just so I could get experience in interviewing. Oh my goodness. I know it's funny. Cause there was this, I think he was like a, like a senior director. I had a client at a cap one and he used to come in and he used to tell me he used to apply for two jobs a year even if he he didn't want them for two reasons, practices interviewing, but to see if he was still relevant. It was like an interesting thing because because sometimes, especially like in companies like Capital One, that people stay a long time, like they can stay 20, 25 years. So what happens is, is people start to feel branded only in that place. And they're like, what am I outside of this place? And he always wanted to feel like, am I still marketable outside of here? Now, I will say that his mindset was like, if I get offered the right opportunity, I might, I might say yes. So it wasn't a complete, like, I'm just doing it for the sake of, so I don't know if that helps answer the question. 
I think it's okay to apply for things that are generally interesting to you to for relevance and for interview prep. Mm -hmm. And who knows? Who knows what will happen there? You might be interested and you might also just learn something along the way. Yeah. So I would say I, I'm not sure I would totally take advantage of the system because yeah. I was like to I was like to imagine that these are human beings on the other side. I was I mean I guess maybe because I'm a coach too and I talk to recruiters and I talk to it's exhausting the process of trying to find people. So I would say there's a lot of other ways to get good at interviewing. So I wouldn't hundred percent advocate taking advantage of just for that reason. But if you're mm -hmm. trying to find if you're relevant tad bit curious and learn in the process. That's the, the the path I would support. That was kind of my thought too, where I was like, I feel like if you, you know, sometimes the universe works in mysterious ways and maybe you applied for this job that you didn't think you wanted. And then you get there and you're like, wait a minute, like, I actually feel like this was very much meant to be like, I don't know. I could see it playing yeah. out like that sometimes too. Yeah, I do too. Okay. I was offered a job I originally thought I wanted, but I changed my mind. I feel so guilty saying no to people. That's a hard one. But I think to myself, well, first of all, pause. It's your life. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do? Show up now just because you feel guilty and hate this job? Yeah. Not a good idea. Not a good idea. Just, I think what is really important for that listener to hear is you're not alone. So many people come knocking on the door of a coach and say, help. I I just got a job offer and I totally thought I wanted it. But once I got the offer, my gut said no. Mm. It's interesting. You know, how sometimes we don't know until we get this weird offer till someone says yes. And then we're like, oh God, there was, there it is. <laughs> There's my answer. And unfortunately we had to walk the journey to know the answer. You're, you're just not alone. People do it all the time. They realize no. So it is okay to confidently set, to reject the offer, to just, just confidently say, thank you. So, you don't want to burn the bridge. I always say, be super polite. Don't ghost them. That's the worst. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are afraid of communicating. And so they just get quiet and that's, that's awful. Yeah. If yeah. they say, we'd like to offer you this job, you just say, thank you so much for your time relative to where I'm at. I have decided that I'm not going to move forward and accept this offer, but thank you for the offer. And you don't have to. The other thing is that too many people give excuses and they say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. No, don't. You don't need to apologize. You need to tell them why. Well, actually, what I realized was it was this whole journey. And all of a sudden they're saying all these things. <laughs> it's like, shh, just have a confidence. Just say, shh. Yeah. Yeah. I think we have this tendency to over explain ourselves and it's truly just not necessary. It is not necessary. The person on the other side is actually thankful that you did not say yes and didn't right. want it. Remember that. Yeah. That is their nightmare. The return of investment on their end, hiring someone that didn't really want it is awful. Knowing that at, now you're there and you're thinking, how can I get out? How, how can I get out? And now they, they have to deal with it. So best to be honest, best yeah. and normal. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Last question. And this is a good one. How can I get someone to see my value when I don't have a ton of experience yet? Mm. It's so funny in their head, 
in their head, in the mind of the individual, they can connect the dots, but the person who is potentially interviewing them can't connect the dots. Yeah. And you have to, the whole point is you have to connect the dots for them. That's what it is. So I might've, I don't know, the last time we talked, I might've told you this, but it doesn't matter because people, different listeners listen to different things. But when I was first hired as a career coach, I didn't have any experience as a career coach that I was a speaker. I was a trainer, a speaker for doctors all around the United States. And I was traveling and traveling and traveling and traveling and traveling. And I had a large family and I was so sick of getting on a plane. So I wanted to figure out what to do. So, you know, this is all about like transferable skills. It's so hard to identify your transferable skills and figure out how to communicate them. So I did a whole bunch of networking and networking and networking and people helped me connect the dots. Somebody said, you would be a great career coach to start. And I was like, how so? And they told me why you have a natural curiosity. You connect dots well with people. And what's similar is as a consultant, you were already showing doctors who were communicating what was working and what they needed to improve. That's what you do as a go get. So blah, 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 blah. I get through, I somehow network my way into getting an interview to be a career coach. Like, and by the way, how that, that happened through networking. And you know how, if you don't have the experience, by the way, that is going to be your ticket in. Mm -hmm. Someone has to often refer you because just on paper, that's, that's the harder part too, is it does have to be your words that, and he said to me, so have you ever been a career coach? I mean, I could have just said no. Because I, I hadn't, right? But I instead I said, this is a great phrase to, to remember. I said, here's what I am. Instead of saying no, I said, here's what I am. I am someone who has the ability to see what is working and what is not and communicate that and connect the dots. And that is the skill set of a coach. Now, are there topics that I need to learn? Yes, but that's the easy part. The skill set that I've been using the last 12 years, that's the intuitive part. And he was like, <laughs> he he even said, that's the best answer to no I have ever heard. Like he and I was <laughs> and I was completely hard. The point is, you do. That is the point. You have to. I had remember during the pandemic, it's well, even now, a lot of teachers who are like burnt out and they have to figure out when they're trying to pivot their careers, what about teaching in the brain connects towards what they're trying to apply for. What is the, what's the, what's going on in their head? What are they translating in their brain that connects towards like, what is it a problem solving skill? Is it a problem solving communicating thing? Is it a management? Is it a project management thing? See, but you, but what happens in their brain and our brain is we assume that people get it. They're like, can't you see it? But they don't, you have to connect the dots for them. And that, I think that's the hardest part. Which, by the way, if you're out there and you're like, what are my transferable skills? I swear to God, Google is fabulous. Just put your career in and say, teacher, transferable skills. And it's like, oh, I think people forget that we have this amazing resource out there of Google. (laughs) I agree. Google is so underrated. It is. I, I, people ask me all the time where I'm like, I looked it up on Google and I'm like, I'm not actually a genius. I just know where to go for the resources. <laughs> just put in a little legwork. <laughs> yeah. You just like, look it up. So hopefully that helps. And my husband, who's a professor, he, he does a lot of, he, he, he teaches the juniors and the seniors and he tries so hard to have 
real companies come in and do projects because he wants them to have some stories for their interview so that they can do a little bit of value. Here's where, here's what, here's a company that came in and here's what I worked on for them because he's like, cause they're always saying, where's your experience? So I would say also young college graduates, try to pull from your experience from college and say, what projects did I work on that I use some sort of, and with a team and connect the dots for the, that is what the professors are often trying to give to you, especially in those last two years for you to connect the dots for the value for the next position, for the first positions. I know that was a long answer, but hopefully it was a. No, but I think it was, I think it was, I think that makes so much sense. Yeah. It's not easy. Not an easy one, but you can figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Get creative. I feel like get get creative creative is the answer to a lot of things too. And confidence and confidence, the confidence to say, to say, here's what I know. Here's like, see, even that's just like, here's what I know. Here's what I am. It's like, instead of like, um, I think I kind of maybe like kind of, sort of, oh my gosh. (laughs) Right. Like even your example, instead of, you could have let, uh, you could have let that question throw you and be like, oh, well, you're right. Like I wasn't ever a career coach and like, maybe I'm not cut out for this, but you like leaned into like all the positives yes, and like where you thrive. And obviously it worked out for you. It did. And by the way, do you think I felt some fear inside? Oh gosh, yes. Inside I was a little like, here it comes, here it comes. <laughs> I'm feeling afraid. Or maybe a little imposter syndrome. Like, oh. but I was like, no, no. I'm like, I'm gonna try here because I believe that if you just give me some books to read and some of the like topics, I can just translate that. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak, I'm gonna speak into that. Which on that note, I know we're we're ending here, but I'm just gonna splash that one out there. When I do a lot of mock interviewing or uh, just anything with communication, helping people prepare. I hear so many people, you do such a great job at not using this, but so many, especially young women do kind of, sort of, and maybe in their language and kind of, sort of, maybe I understand where it comes from. We don't want to come across bossy. And I think that's it's their way of saying it in a way of like, I'm not, I'm trying to, I'm not trying to tell you what to do, or I'm not trying to, but it actually undermines your confidence. It makes you look like you're taking back your thing. Uh, kind of sort of maybe I'm like, wait a minute, clean all that up. Get the kind of sort of maybes out of your language and just say the thing, say it without those words. And you will find that your own confidence and the way others perceive you, it just goes, it just goes through the roof. So if there's just just start listening to yourself and maybe even start listening to others when they're doing it and start just little by little eliminating it. It is a habit that you will have to focus on eliminating, but it's a powerful habit to eliminate. I love that because I think no matter what position you're in, if you can stand firm in the things you're saying, it makes you look like the expert that you are and people respect that. Yeah. And you're not going to be bossy if you have a great tone. Totally. Uh, it's it's confidence, but it's a kind tone. And I think I think that's where people misunderstand the, you know, the taking it back. So yeah, there's like a little yeah. side tip. Is that okay? <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you for answering everybody's questions. I feel like I have a deeper understanding and insight to everybody um, and the things that they were asking. Thank you so much for, I love random questions. There too, and just having the ability to ask someone. So thank you so much for trusting me with the questions and having me in today. I appreciate it so much. Of course. Let everybody know where they can find you. 
Oh, yes. Okay. So really Sunday at greenhousecoaching.co. That's right. And of course, my name is Sunday Marquardt. So on LinkedIn, I'm like the only Sunday, S-U-N-D-I-E, because <laughs> there's no other, there's no other Sundays. So people find me very easily on LinkedIn. This has been a 58 Ember production. For more shows, please visit the 58 Ember channel, 58ember.com, or find us at 58 Ember Media on socials.